see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. Today, we delve into risk management talk with old friend of the podcast, Bruce Main. Before Bruce explains the recent updates to PMMI's ANSI B155.1 standard, he breaks down exactly what the difference is between regulations, like edicts from OSHA or the EU, and standards, like the aforementioned ANSI B155.1. Let's think of one as the law, while adhering to the other can help manage risk and avoid potential lawsuits. Let's have a listen. So with all the fancy introductions out of the way, welcome to the podcast, Bruce. Thanks very much, Sean. Well, the pleasure's all ours. I think this is your second time we've had you on here. But just to to clear it up for anyone that might not have been listening the first time and shame on them, uh, there's a lot of confusion around the word standards. And, and it's often used as kind of this broad umbrella term. And it sometimes is is thought to be synonymous with regulations, but I don't know that it really is. So could you kind of kick this off by providing some clarity in terms of the terminology that we're using here and and what OEM should know when referencing those terms? Regulations are typically based in law. They're requirements based on law. And you can see that in the OSHA requirements as well as the European regulations. Um, Standards tend to be voluntary consensus standards that are developed without the benefit of a law. So they are voluntary. And it's pretty common for people to refer to them without the distinction. So it's, it can be confusing, but typically uh, the regulations are, have a law behind them in some form and the, the standards are usually voluntary. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Then I guess with that in mind, why are standards so important? Well, they're important because even though there's not a a legal requirement to follow them, um, in a product's liability claim, the standard is going to be the measure against which the jury will determine whether your machine is is safe or or unsafe or safe enough. It's also the case that if you're in an OSHA citation as a machine user, one of the things that we often do to help uh, defend an employer is to use the industry standards because they tend to be more current than the OSHA requirements. Interesting. So then I guess as using other terms that I know that come up often, could you kind of touch on the costs of being compliant, you know, compliance versus non-compliance? Sure. Um, You know, part of it is if you're a machine builder, the cost of compliance often comes because you're your customer is writing in the requirements for what you need to do. 
and if you don't comply with those, you're going to have problems in, in retrofit work or even perhaps having to build a new machine. If you're, uh, if you have a machine that's involved in an incident and somebody gets hurt, then we'd be involved in products liability aspects. And, and here the cost can be both out, out of pocket, but also more importantly, management time um, in terms of dealing with a potential litigation case and developing and obtaining the documentation on the machine design. So when you get into the ideas of, of compliance, often it's not just the, the cost to say, um, develop a machine that is complies with the standards, but the costs associated with the indirect items can be really significant. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't imagine. So could you, I guess, provide some insight then into what the core standards are that are going to be relevant to our audience, the packaging and processing industry, and I guess in particular, kind of discuss the importance of risk assessment. Um, I know it's a term that I hear a lot, but I, I think people don't necessarily understand just how vital and how important that is. Um, and also kind of how PackSafe, I guess it's a bunch of questions I'm throwing at you, but I know PackSafe is software that, that kind of aids in this process for risk assessment. So I guess if you could just tell us sort of the standards that are relevant to packaging and processing, and then sort of the importance of risk assessment. Certainly. So the primary standard that uh, packaging and processing machinery builders and users need to pay attention to is, is the ANSI B155.1. That's a standard written by PMMI and, and the committee that works there. That is the safety requirements for processing and packaging machinery. Now, it's a what's called a type A and type C standard. It's kind of a hybrid. It contains the process you need to go through to develop and use uh, machinery, but it also includes some specific requirements. Now, the risk assessment is, is a key part of the standard. It's in Clause 6 of the standard. Uh, clause 4 and Clause 5 are the, res the responsibilities and the requirements within the standard. And this is a key area that we use in litigation as well as in discussions as to who's responsible for what, whether it's the machine user or the machine supplier. Um, now, the risk assessment process is a central part of the standard, and Clause 6 talks about how you should go through the risk assessment process and apply it. It is critical because the key elements of the risk assessment process are identifying hazards, assessing risk, reducing risk to an acceptable level, documenting the results, and following up and making sure you did what you said you're gonna do. Of those five parts, the most important pieces are identifying hazards and reducing risk, the first and the third. And that's because if you don't identify a hazard, you can't address it, and reducing risk is where you get the value. So once we've identified a hazard, let's reduce the risk to an acceptable level. The B155.1 standard identifies these pieces, helps guide you through the process. There's a lot of helpful information in the annexes about how to go about doing this. So that's the B155.1 standard, and it, it's written around the risk assessment process. The standard itself refers to other documents, other standards that you need to be aware of, one of which is ANSI B11.19. 
and that's safety requirements for uh, risk reduction measures or safeguarding. So if you're going to use a guard or if you're going to use a light curtain or two hand controls or a hold to run device, the requirements for those are all in B1119 and B155.1 has a normative, what's called a normative reference to the B1119 standard. So there are requirements under 155. We just didn't try to rewrite B1119, just referring to it. Understandable. And, and how exactly can PackSafe, I know that's a software, how does that tool sort of aid in this process? So the process that's described in B155.1 on the risk assessment process, PackSafe is a tool that we developed to guide people through that process as well. So you can use the PackSafe to help identify hazards uh, using a task-based or hazard-based approach. Um, it, it has a checklist kind of format that helps you build out uh, a risk assessment for a machine. It guides you through the risk reduction effort. So assessing risk and doing risk reduction and also includes the control system assessment. So identifying what kind of uh, what level of reliability is required for different controls if you're using a control system, which most packaging and processing machinery are. Um, so it's, it's a pretty cool tool. If you're serious about doing risk assessment, you might want to take a look at it. It's certainly going to save you a fair amount of time if you have to do uh, more than one of these. But it's a tool like anything else. It, um, it's only a tool. Yeah. And is, is that going to help machine builders sort of determine what standards to apply to their projects? No, it's, I mean, it's not going to guide you on what standards you need, but it's going to help you identify the hazards and the risk reduction measures that um, are applicable to your application. So it's, you know, it's, it's not an expert system. It's not intelligent. So you still need to be, um, you know, the, the human <laughs> computer interface is, is pretty critical because you still have to know a little bit about machine design to, to make this work because you can, you know, for instance, you can identify a crushing hazard that could kill somebody and then turn around and say, yeah, it's really bad, but we're going to put a warning label on and that's all we're going to do. And that's really not going to get you to an acceptable risk, but the software is not going to say, no, you can't do that. Yeah, completely understandable now that you explain it that way. Um, so I guess the reason that we're, we're having this this podcast is to discuss um, this new white paper that was put together. And I guess, could you kind of give us the reason behind developing the impact of global and local standards on OEM and suppliers white paper and, and sort of walk us through how this white paper can be a resource for machine builders and, and the overall industry? Certainly, certainly. So we put the paper together because there was interest in, uh, in communicating more about what the standards um, contain. And, and why they are important. Uh, one of the things we noticed was that, you know, the fact that we're putting a lot of, PMI is putting a lot of time and effort into, um, and resources into developing standards for the industry. But the awareness of uh, some folks about these standards and why they're important was a little bit lacking. So we thought about putting this together as a white paper to talk about some of the the key concepts, both in the costs as well as the uh, benefits of uh, applying uh, global standards. And, and you know, B155.1 is a ANSI standard, it's a US standard, but there are also um, a lot of content that is harmonized with international requirements. So there's ISO standards as well, 
Um, but a lot of the content is, is what's called harmonized or about the same, not necessarily identical, to help machinery builders build the one standard and ship it anywhere in the world. Interesting. So I, that, that might kind of lead into the, the next question I was thinking. Can this, can this white paper be used by OEMs and, and, or some of these other tools to then be passed on as a resource for their customers and potential customers? Yes, it can. In fact, we would encourage folks to do do so. There's no cost to this. So it puts it, you know, the, the white paper puts this in context of what are, what standards apply and why are they important? Um, and how does the process work? So that those that may not be as familiar with these, these concepts and the content can have a better handle on what's going on. Well, that, that's exactly what I, um, I was looking for. Um, thank you so much, Bruce, for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule to come on here and uh, sort of walk us through standards and, and this new white paper that came out from PMMI. Sean, I'm happy to help. And if you've got further questions, just let me know. Thanks. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.